0: One habit of mindfulness that I call a bedrock habit is the practice of meditation. You know, so I would encourage people if they don't meditate, if they don't have a regular practice to start in a way that's not necessarily easy because sometimes... Five minutes of meditation can be can be really hard, you know. But to try with a, um, you know, for a, you know, even five minutes. I mean, if they can do 15 minutes, great. But if they can do five minutes. I have a five-minute meditation on an app called Insight Timer, and it's been listened to hundreds of thousands of times. It, it speaks to people because it—I think—because it doesn't demand the world. You know, it doesn't demand. Oh, I've got to sit in a quiet room on my own for a day or a week. You know, it's five minutes.
1: Welcome to the One Thousand Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davy. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol and I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same, like right now. How's it going out there, folks? I am currently sweating my balls off. I don't know how hot it is because I don't really do temperature. Do, do, do any of you have that thing where there's just something that you don't know nothing about and it, and it doesn't matter how many times someone tries to tell you that thing, you block it off. Uh, so, for example, I have no idea if we revolve around the sun or if the sun revolves around us. I don't know what temperature is. I don't know how to define cold, hot, and warm. I don't know distance. I couldn't tell you six feet from 10 feet. Like I don't know. It's like weird, right? So, yeah, I don't know how hot it is, but I'm boiling. I have to shut this door and uh, keep the air conditioning off because it's too noisy when I'm doing these podcasts. And I've just come off a... A meeting, uh, an online support group meeting. So we've been talking for like ninety minutes, and I'm, I'm really hot and sweaty. But bear with me for a little bit, and I, and then I'll get off and leave you in the capable hands of our guest. I did say that I'd just come off uh, a, a group meeting. As you know, we've locked down right now. Any of you who used Alcoholics Anonymous or other, you know, physical meetups in order for you to deal with your uh, dependence on alcohol, uh, are kind of up, up shit creek without a paddle right now because you can't really meet, although a lot of places are now starting to relax. Um, so that allows the online space to really shine, really, and really extend a hand and help you out. And the way that we've done that at 1000 Day Sober is every Monday and Wednesday, uh, the time is going to change in the future, and I don't know what time that is going to be, so I'm not going to tell you what the time is, but every Monday and Wednesday. We meet, right? And that meeting is extended to everybody on Strive and everybody in the world outside of Strive. It's free, you don't have to pay anything. And um, yeah, you turn up and we have a good chat. And so if you want to be a part of those online meetings, please go to www.1000daysober.com and sign up to our email list. And I send an email out every Sunday and every Tuesday, reminding you and giving you the link to join. And we've just been on there for 90 minutes. It was six of us. We had a really good time. And that might sound strange because we had a very melancholic time. We're sad and we were vulnerable and we were courageous and we were brave and we were humorous and we were funny and we held space for each other. And we saw each other and we heard each other and we gave help and advice to each other and we had empathy with each other. And that's what we do. We, you know, we kind of go around the group and we ask people how they're doing and we listen to them. And it's really, really, these things are really essential. They're really essential because we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable folks. If we want to go 1,000 days sober if we want to eradicate this poison from our lives, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's the uncomfortable uncomfortableness of life. That aspect of it that we can't handle is the reason why we numb, is the reason why we run to this thing, okay? We need to stop doing that. We need to feel and understand that we can handle uncomfortableness because it's just natural part of human life and we're designed to be able to, to cope with it. Um, We're not only designed to be able to cope, we're designed to smash it. We're very, very good at being uncomfortable. And even those of you who are uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, if you were to think and write down five moments in your life when you were the most uncomfortable you've ever been, you got through it. And you might even get through it and be really proud of yourself that you did. It is massively, massively important. It is difficult to get there. But if you're turning up regularly at an online support group like we have at 1000 Days Sober or a live support group, or you're a member of some forum like Strive and you're writing and sharing on a regular basis, it becomes easier and eventually it becomes natural. When people say to me, Lee, you're beating yourself up. Lee, stop being so hard on yourself. I'm not. I'm not beating myself up. I'm not being too hard on myself. I'm being vulnerable. I'm giving you a gift that's something I, I learned from Alan de Boiton this past week, that when you're sharing with someone, when you're being vulnerable, it's a gift for someone. So imagine, which just happened on our support group, that somebody talks about the fact that they're always fighting in their relationship and they feel pretty ashamed, or if not ashamed, guilty and annoyed and a bit embarrassed that that is happening all the time and they have to talk about it. Whilst that might be uncomfortable for the individual, it's a gift for the other people listening who are experiencing the same thing, but are also deep-seated in uncomfortableness and don't want to talk about it. Because now it's almost like they got permission to talk about it. The courage in a group comes more freely than courage individually. So I really do encourage you to join our email list and come and have some fun being sad as fuck on our uh, weekly meetings on Mondays and Wednesdays and join Strive as well. And if you do join Strive, you know we're giving a free month away to you. It's normally £40 subscription. And for that, you get Strive access, access to all our amazing coaches and ambassadors, and you get access to all of our workshops and uh, online meetings and all that kind of stuff, including the 1,000 Day Sober Experience, which we run four times a year, and that's over 200 Uh, different lessons designed to to create this person who no longer drinks alcohol and builds rockets and flies to Mars, lives a fulfilled life. right? But we are giving that experience away for a month. And that gives you the opportunity to not worry about money, to just invest in yourself and to really dive into our personality, our philosophy, and whether or not you even like us or not. And if you don't, you can leave. And if you do, you'll realize that £40 a month is a fucking steal. When it comes to changing your life, right? So head over to www.1000daysober.com and uh, sign up to get your free month. You'll find how to do it there. If you can't find it, get stuck, email me at truthbyalcohol at gmail.com. Now, uh, just before we get on to our guest, just to let you know, we have changed the name of the podcast. It's no longer the Alcohol Addiction Podcast. It is the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. Um, but that's not all that we've changed. We have a podcast page over at uh, 1000daysober.com. It's currently uh, under renovation, um, but it's still working 90% of the time accurately, and it's soaked in value. So please check it out. Every time you hear uh, a podcast episode like today with Hugh Byrne, for example, we're going to be talking about mindfulness and how mindfulness can help you recover from alcohol dependency. If you want to learn more about Hugh, you want to learn more about the topic of mindfulness and alcohol, and you want to learn about what we were talking about in greater depth, then when you go to our website and click on the podcast page and find the link for my conversation with Hugh, you will receive the best show notes in the business—really top quality show notes. Uh, you will receive receive a full transcript of that conversation, so you can read it, and best of all, you will receive a special workbook. And that workbook is a series of questions that allows you to really cement the knowledge that you gained when you were listening to it. How many of you listen to a podcast when you're on a run or something, and then you just go on to the next podcast, so you get on to the next podcast. You might get the odd light bulb moment, but you're just chewing through information, right? Well, this workbook allows you to get centered and to be like, wow, okay, this is what this podcast was about. This is what I'm gonna learn. Because remember, podcasts are education and inspiration. They're not just something you just listen to for the sake of it, all right? It is for education, inspiration. So be educated, be inspired. Go to www.1000daysober.com and click on the podcast page and download that workbook. Okay? Well, don't download it. We'll send you an email giving it to you. Anyway, that's enough for me. On to our next guest, Hugh Byrne. He has been on the show before, long, 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 long time ago. I love this man. He's got beautiful energy around him. So please go back and listen to his uh, original conversation that I had with him many, many years ago. But he's back on now. Hugh is an expert and author in the field of mindfulness and positive habit change. He's a senior teacher with the Insight Meditation Community of Washington and Garrison Institute's contemplative-based resilience for humanitarian aid workers responding to refugees' crises across the Middle East. Hugh's mindfulness and meditation offerings are driven by the vision of helping people shift from autopilot towards behaviors that create greater happiness and freedom of the heart. And how many of us drink alcohol because we're an autopilot, right? Hugh has been practicing teaching and guiding trainings, workshops, and intensive retreats for 20 years within the U.S. and internationally, particularly now online. And Hugh is trained in and teaches mindfulness-based stress reduction and mind-body somatic experiences approach to healing. Hugh also has a law degree from London University and a PhD from UCLA and worked for more than two decades in the field of human rights and social justice. He's also the author of The Here and Now Habit, which is what we talked about in our first interview, and now the habit swap: trade in your unhealthy habits for mindfulness ones. Uh, for mindful ones, this is a short and sweet conversation. We talk for about thirty minutes about mindfulness and alcohol. Hope you really enjoy it. And if you want to get a question to Hugh, then just send me an email at, the truth at gmail.com. Please rate and review the show. And the best thing you can do today is tell somebody else to listen to it. Take care, Stels, and keep on striving. I like
0: your plants. Uh, That's always a nice look behind.
1: You like my plants? They're actually, let me tell you a secret. We are on air, Mr. Byrne. But these plants here, they're they're my mother-in-laws. Ah. I don't own a home. But I tell you what, when I do, I will just like, I'll have so much green in there. Because the coronavirus lockdown for me, it's just like normal life. You know, like yeah, gotcha. The only place I ever go to is Starbucks, and I think the reason <laughs> I, the reason I go to Starbucks every day is there's this subconscious feeling that, that that I'm I'm connected somewhat with the people around me, even though I'm not talking to them, and it makes me feel less lonely and disconnected with the world. But other than that, yeah, I'm just at home doing doing this kind of thing all the time. You know,
0: I like it as well. I I grew up in a big family, and. um you know, I, I find it very easy to work around a lot of people. You know, I focus and the background noise is kind of the background sound. And I actually like that. So I do a lot what you do. I, I go out to a coffee shop and, you know, do my work. I've written a big chunk of two books in coffee shops. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it always makes me, uh, you know, I'm one of these people who struggles with this, actually, Hugh. I, I'm obviously the only head that I'm in is my own. Yeah. And I yeah. can't I can't help thinking that what I'm thinking, everybody else is thinking. It's a real bad habit. Um, but yeah. one of the things I remember is when I was a drinker and I did the Myers-Briggs personality assessment test, I was um, an extrovert. And yeah. I'll always remember doing that test, everybody in the room was eager to be an extrovert. It was almost like, the ENTJs and the ESJPs or whatever we call ourselves, there was a pride of honor with it. And I remember before we took the test, they had a big sign on one side of the wall that said extrovert and another one on the other side that said introvert. And he said, go and stand where you think you are along that spectrum. And if I remember, everybody stood at the extrovert side, including me, and only one person stood in the middle. And he turned around and said, and she said, why are you in the middle? Why are you gone to one of the ends? And he said, well, I'm neither an extrovert or an introvert. Sometimes I'm extroverted, sometimes I'm introverted. When I stopped drinking alcohol, I then said to myself, oh, I'm an introvert. But then I realized I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm along the spectrum, and I can go into both of them. So when I hear people go, I'm really struggling with this coronavirus because I'm an extrovert and I need to go out and meet people, I think to myself, no, just tap into your introversion, mate. You've, you've got it there somewhere. Yeah. I really hear what you're saying because
0: I tend to kind of, if I define myself, do it more on the extrovert side, but I have a, a very strong introvert side of me as well. And I think the meditation is a kind of, in a sense, a reflection of that. It's kind of, I really like being in a space of aloneness, which is not being lonely. You know what I mean? It's being on my own, but not you know, in solitude. I like solitude, but I also love being around people as well, but it's kind of finding that
1: balance. What so since I've grown in a similar place. Do you think people who identify strongly as extroverts would struggle more to incorporate mindfulness and meditation into their practice?
0: I don't know if it works quite like that. I mean, yes, if they I would say, that if there's a kind of neediness, you know, if it's meeting a kind of neediness in a person, I need some kind of thing that I'm getting from people. And and if I don't get that, that I'm feeling bad, then in that way, that might be hard for those people then to kind of just be on their own where there isn't any of that energy. But I think there are people, and I think I put myself in this group, who like to be around people, but also like to be alone. And so it's kind of, it's like, a, a, as we were saying, you were saying before, kind of going in and a going out. So I, don't, I wouldn't make a generalization about it. It mm. kind of, for me, it depends on whether that's kind of a balanced, uh, not necessarily balanced between the two, but it's a kind of a balanced relationship. There's a kind of sense of inner ease with it or if it's coming from that neediness and that would be a kind of theme i think would be very relevant for our discussion you know of addictions mm. kind of going out for you know feeding ourselves outside and what is it that's you know we're not connecting with or we're not able to touch into within ourselves that you know we're needing to go out for to crave something or need something or
1: you or know? In the, in the light of something that I realized about myself yesterday when I realized that I'm very self-centered, that we run away from who we are because we're ashamed of who we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's another, definitely. Mm. Because cause, and I, I had, a, had a session with um, 1,000 Day Sober Coach Vincent Grant yesterday uh, about how I'm struggling around certain areas of my life, and particularly getting into conflict all the time. And um, through the process of me having a session with him, I realized that I am very self-centered. So I'll give an example. If my three-year-old daughter is screaming at the top of her lungs and won't shut up, and I'm lost control in that moment as a father, I start to feel personally really uncomfortable and inadequate and inferior. And so I make it about me. And I'm likely to go... Stop shouting, stop screaming and i'll i'll use I'll try to dominate her or threaten her in my voice to to quieten down and i he got me to see that that is self centeredness now I'm able to openly talk about that because those things don't bother me, but I imagine now that's in my conscious awareness when it was in my subconscious awareness my- what I call resistance, the shadow in me, would hide yeah. that would would hide that so so well, and I would defend deny judgment, you know. I
0: often come back to what um Carl Jung said you know what what is not brought into consciousness comes to us as fate. Hmm. If not brought into consciousness comes to us as fate if it's kind of below the line and we're acting it out or we're we're not kind of bringing it above the line into awareness then what we'll do is we we'll, we will act out the unhealthy patterns and the avoidance mechanisms and all the ways we avoid opening to that painful place within ourselves. So mm. so mindfulness, I think, is very much about bringing what is, you know, to use the term, below the line, you know, in this unconscious or subconscious above the line. And once we do that, then you know, then we can make choices. We can say, oh, okay, there's something in that, that, you know, what I was unconscious of is trying to meet a, a real need, but it's going about it in a way that's harming me or harming other people. But if I can take a look at that, I can then say, okay, how can I meet that need, genuine need, but in a way that doesn't involve, you know, shutting people out or getting angry with them or whatever the, whatever the kind of external behavior is. So that, you know, that that whole question, I mean, mindfulness, this whole kind of bringing things into awareness is so essential for kind of dealing with any of our, you know, any of our cravings and any of our behaviors that we're not conscious of or even our ways of thinking. Mm.
1: Yeah, I just want to share with people that when I, the, the thought process around how I found meditation mindfulness was I was an addict in, in a lot of different senses, but the one that everybody identifies here with me is alcohol, alcoholism. And, and then when I stopped drinking, that act alone without any mindfulness or any um, meditation practice, that act of stopping that poison from coming into my mind um, created a shift in me. And I started to think about life in ways and, get, and a curiosity that I'd never had before. And that led me to quit my job and read a lot of self help literature. So, the self help literature came before quitting my job. And then, during that self help literature, all these experts were saying, Hey, man, if you want to like, get on and, and be a gazillionaire, because back then it was kind of all about money for me. Um, it was like you need to meditate and you need to be mindful and all this kind of stuff. So, I just started doing it, thinking that, not really thinking anything other than I'll be successful if I meditate or be mindful. <laughs> And what happened to me over time, I did transcendental meditation uh, twice a day for the longest, longest time. And what happened to me was, one day, my wife turned around and said to me, do you know you're not, you're not half as angry these days as you used to be? And it was in that moment that I realized, oh, this is, this is, my, this is my meditation practice, which is different to mindfulness, right? But oh, this is my meditation practice. and." that that's what happened to me you know so i always look at it in terms of uh, alcohol addiction thinking it, again because i think to myself that if this is what happened to me it can happen to other people meditation is is a way of allowing you to like i don't know just calm the fuck down i guess but my concern is and i'll ask you this question mm. with the with addictive thinking so centralized and focused on instant gratification and meditation not really designed to give you instant gratification it's designed to give you long term benefits is that a problem for addicts really good question
0: you know i think at first i think it can it may be challenging because you know if you're you're looking for the short term you know you're looking for the quick fix yeah and Particularly I think with mindfulness meditation, which is not about developing any particular states, but more about being present with what, what you're feeling, really allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling. There has to be a willingness to feel what you're feeling, to actually experience something. And it's often something, it's often it's gonna be something, I mean, necessarily I think uh, with addiction, It's going to be something that's unpleasant because it's going to involve, you know, not necessarily, you're not, not forever necessarily, but for this moment or these moments, it's going to involve feeling unpleasant feelings because, you know, even for, you know, if if you're feeling that, like I want, I want meditation is going to, mindfulness is going to say, okay, feel that feeling of wanting. How does it feel to feel the feeling without acting on it? You know, you don't have to say, I'm not going to do it the rest of my life. You know, you, you know that's another thought. But mm. just this moment, can you feel that feeling without acting on it? So that's not necessarily going to be an easy process. But as, you know, in, you know, 12-step programs, you know, one, one step at a time. And it's mm. this is, you know, mindfulness meditation is one moment at a time. Can I be with this feeling? Can I allow myself to feel it? And, it, you know, you don't have to, you know, the feeling, you know, might become really intense. And, you know, the invitation is ultimately to be able to feel all of the feelings that come up. But it's not necessarily all going to be done just with mindfulness. You know, that would be, for, for most people, that would, be, um, that would be a big ask. It's basically almost like cold turkey, you know, kind of like, okay, you know, if what about when the cravings are really, really intense? There tends not to be enough training of the mind, enough resilience in the mind to be able to kind of ride that wave. It's like the mind is saying no. And it's saying, really, it's saying F you to meditation, to, being with the feelings, it's like, no, why should I do that? Mm. So it's like the mind in struggle with the mind. So in order to be able to get to the place where whatever feelings come up, you can kind of hold them, you can make space for them, you have to be willing to be with this feeling and train the mind really to do that. And that doesn't mean you don't do a lot of other things that, that are helpful as well, you know eat a healthy diet, go out and walk, be with friends and loved ones, all of the things that give you what will kind of feed your soul, if you like, feed your spirit, hmm. all of those things. And so I, I, I want to be clear, I'm not saying, you know, offering, if I were to offer this to addicts and alcoholics, people in recovery, I wouldn't offer it as just meditation. <laughs> be a much broader thing as well but the mindfulness piece i think has to be in there as a key component because ultimately i think i think you would agree we have to be willing to feel our feelings you know we can't if we're not doing that then we're still in some kind of avoidance mechanism if we're not but it's the question for me is how do we get to that place in a way that's not torture but is step by step and that is ultimately the word we'd often use is skillful. It's skillful. Mm. You know, it's not forcing your way through. It's not cold turkey necessarily. It's, it's the willingness to be with.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that, this is why 1000 days sober exists and it's not, it's not one day sober. You know, it's like we recognize that there are a lot of support mechanisms um, guides, um, tools, techniques, philosophy changes—it's you know, it's incredibly, it's incredibly complex. Well, but whilst at the same time, it's incredibly complex. Let's just simplify things a little bit as well. I've been fortunate enough to be in the presence of uh, two women giving birth to children. Okay, and in those moments that uh, you know, both of them actually were were forty eight hours. In those moments, and one of them was a home birth, so it was just me and my wife, you see the magnificence in a human being of being able to take on the complete unknown and kind of go through the gamut of every single, not every single, a wide variety of emotions, both what society deems negative and positive. And I don't like to pin them as negative and positive emotions, but that's how society deems them. And you see them go through these things from being overwhelmed to being terrified to panicking to feeling joy and feeling love. And you see that and you think, whoa, that woman is capable of anything. I'm so proud and and in love and connected to the marvelous nature of this person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And then a little down the line, this same person develops addiction to alcohol. And now all of a sudden, they can't go through. The five-minute feeling of anxiety if they can't drink alcohol. That tells me that it's not a capability issue. It boils down to the desire to drink and get the perceived value is much greater than the desire to not be a drinker. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, we need to face up facts and say, and this is one of the, the biggest milestone moments in 1,000-day surveys, holy shit, I really, really, really love drinking alcohol. Let's forget all these things I think it does for me a minute. I love it. And I need to come to terms with that before I can conquer it. I love it. And then um,
0: what's the next step after that, after the kind of acknowledgement that, you know,
1: I love alcohol? The next step that we do is something called becoming the voice of resistance. So it's just, just being aware that if I try to tell you to stop drinking alcohol, and you don't want to, then you're not really going to listen to me, and you're going to think of every excuse in the book to justify your reasons for drinking. So we become the voice of resistance, and we ask people, what are all the reasons you should stop working with 1,000 Days Sober right now? What are all the reasons you should tell Lee David to take a fucking hike? What are all the reasons that you should continue to drink? And these lists are massive. They're massive you. You should see them, right? And then we just turn around and say, so what the fuck are you doing here for giving me money? Go and drink. Because it's actually making your life amazing, isn't it? And at that moment, the ones who go on, get it. Holy shit. If I keep doing that, I'm going to lose my wife. My kids are going to be like me. I'm going to die. I'm never going to matter to anything. And now all of a sudden, that pendulum of pain, pleasure, it switches. But... We hope that we can skillfully get people there and that they have it within themselves to want to do that, but But it's very difficult.
0: Yeah. No, that sounds like a really, a very wise approach to doing it. And Mm -hmm. I I like that a a lot. But yeah, because otherwise, otherwise there's so so many ways in which we deceive ourselves. You know, oh yeah, I really want to, I really want to stop. But then if we're not, you know surfacing those real underlying things that are that are there in our conscious mind or in our unconscious mind then we're not being real we can't really be real unless we really kind of look at things in the way that you're one the way you're
1: doing i think is a very helpful way of doing that and this is why mindfulness is really important and why i got you on for this quick interview because I don't want people to focus on the alcohol because it's, it's not about the alcohol. Right. The reason that we value alcohol so much is because my mum died and I don't know how to get over it. Um, every time I look in the mirror, I see a pig because my dad used to call me a pig. I mm. just got fired from work. I'm fat. I'm thin. I just got this thing in my head telling me that I'm fucking useless. Right? So um, I'm always arguing with my husband all the time. I think he's having an affair. These are the things that are driving us to drink. And they're the things that we need to work on, not the drink. Because if we fix the drink, folks, you're still going to have all these thoughts and feelings and you're still going to be really miserable. So let's work on your life and then hopefully while we're working on it, you stop drinking. So this is where mindfulness comes in, right? So if yeah. somebody is just at 1,000 Days Sober and they're, they they think that they 're screwed up and they they are addicted to alcohol, what could they do, Hugh, to develop greater habits of mindfulness what What would your advice be
0: well, one habit of mindfulness that I call a bedrock habit is the practice of meditation. you know, so I would encourage people if they don 't meditate, if they don't have a regular practice to start in a way that's not necessarily easy because sometimes five minutes of meditation can be, can be really hard, you know, but to try with, um, you know, for, you know, even five minutes, I mean, if they can do 15 minutes, great. But if they can do five minutes, I have a five minute meditation on an app called insight timer, and it's been listened to hundreds of thousands of times. It, It speaks to people because it, I think because it doesn't demand the world, you know. It doesn't demand, oh, I've got to sit in a quiet room on my own for a day or a week, you know. It's five minutes. And most of us, unless we're really in dreadful, dreadful pain, can make it to five minutes. And in that five minutes, you can begin, even if it's you're brand new to this, you haven't done it before, you can begin to see things in yourself. You can begin to see your mind, how often it goes off into fantasy, into needing, wanting, craving, into worrying, into ruminating, all of these things. And hopefully with a decent instructor, you know, a teacher, who let you know that that's not a problem? As you know, it's not a problem. It's the mind, you know, it's our minds. It's not just my mind, it's your mind mm-hmm. as well, Lee. It's, it's all of our minds. This is what we tend to do. And if we can be, if we can see maybe humor in that, kindness in that towards ourselves, then we can begin just to be aware of the nature of our mind, train the mind and learn to be willing to be with things that aren't you know aren't pleasant and mm-hmm. you know including cravings and tri- you know different triggers and all of those things so you know and then you know once you've listened regularly practice regularly for 5 minutes a day up it to 10 minutes up it to 15 minutes maybe you know, half an hour a day, 20 minutes a day, whatever, whatever works, but don't make it into a thing with a big agenda, you know, just feel your way into making this a healthy habit. I call it a bedrock habit, because it has so much of an impact on other areas of my life. If I don't meditate, I tend to notice after a few days that I'm more cranky, or I'm less present, all of that. And if I do on a regular basis, you know, and, and, kind of really, you know, once or twice a day, then my life tends to be more balanced, tends to be more calm. So, and I also am more more able to bring mindfulness into daily life. So it's both the formal practice and what we call the informal practice. You know, just noticing when I'm out on a walk, you know, where is my mind right now? Is it, you know, am I aware, aware of being here? Or am I up in my head or, you know, thinking about worrying about the future or thinking about the past? So that's one piece, meditation and bringing mindfulness into our daily lives. I think other things we can do are just kind of looking at our life in a kind of a holistic way, looking at the different areas of our lives, looking at what we're eating, looking at exercise, you know, getting exercise, uh, you know, the way we the way we are in our bodies. How do we treat our bodies? You know, how do I, um, is it as though we've got this mind up here and a body that we kind of carry around with us? Or are we more alive in our bodies? So being able to bring more awareness into our bodies through whether it's sports or jogging or running or yoga or tai chi or qigong or whatever it is, some ways of really kind of embodying our lives because the, we live our lives in these bodies. It's not mm-hmm. like we've got a head and these bodies are kind of somewhat separate from us, you know. So treating our, not even treating our bodies well is kind of thinking of as an object, but really embodying our life, you know, living our lives fully in our bodies, Um, looking at our relationships, looking at our work, looking at our, you know, how am I relating to my my spouse, my partner, my kids? You know, what needs to be looked at here? Is there, you know, am I getting angry with them? We talked about Mm. that, you know, am I getting angry? Am I so caught up in my work that I'm not giving them enough time? You know, I'm not really spending time with them. I'm not really enjoying my life enjoying my relationships uh, connecting with others looking at my work you know is that a healthy wholesome relationship I have with my work or am I kind of tied to it am I a workaholic or am I kind of always judging it oh I wish I didn't have to do this I wish I had another job and living you know not really you know, being present for our, for, you know, for our work. So really, it's looking at all areas of our lives, taking, you know, taking an overall inventory of, you know, how am I spending my days? And what I do with my, you know, my work on habits is to invite people to look at, you know, a good place to start is where, where is the shoe pinching you know where am i feeling where am i feeling things are out of kilter out of alignment um and and that's often a good place to start if it's too big a place to start then maybe start with something easier but Mm. but looking at you know what's calling for attention what's calling for attention can be a very good place to start saying okay something feels out of joint, out of kilter here. So really it's a way of bringing, I think of it as bringing more and more of our lives into, you know, really above the line, into our awareness and asking ourselves, you know, what do I need to, you know, what would it be good for me to let go of that doesn't feel healthy, skillful, wholesome? And what do I need more of? What's Mm. missing in my life? You know, are there are there. Things that, you know, in the heart area, you know, in the emotions that aren't really, you know, I'm not really getting enough of, enough connection, enough love, enough friendship. And what might I do to to do that, to create, you know, to develop more, you know, the more wholesome states of mind, beneficial states of mind, love and kindness and generosity and gratitude, and recognize that we have those within ourselves. You know, we don't always
1: have to get them out there
0: for other people as well.
1: Well, each, each, each of our um, podcast episodes comes these days with a fantastic workbook. So those questions that Hugh just suggested that you should introspect over, we will add them to the workbook. Uh, we'll also add uh, Hugh's, uh, links to Hugh's books and his websites and the Insight uh, Timer app to those show notes and i'll put a lot of meditation resources down there for you folks as well a lot of apps and that kind of thing uh hugh burn nice a quick one today very mindful and quick one we'll get you on the show again in the future no doubt but in the meantime have a wonderful day and stay safe yeah
0: thank you i hope it's i hope it's helpful to folks and uh, look forward to being back again and being in touch thank
1: you Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Addiction Podcast. Now, before you run away, just a few things, okay? So, the next time we run the 1,000 Day Sober Experience, our program that guides you and helps you to become 1,000 Day Sober, so that's 2.7 years, folks, right? It's the only long-term program in the world where we're with you constantly to help and guide you through the six stages of the Strive Model for Change. We get you through being stuck. We get you through thinking and the ambivalence around drinking alcohol. We get you through the research phase of making some change. We get you through the change. We manage you through that change. And then after that, with alcohol in the rearview mirror, we help you to evolve, to live a fulfilled life, to do that incredibly important post-recovery work which so many people, so many organizations out there dismiss or just don't even cover at all, right? So we got you back for 1,000 days. The next time we run an experience will be in July, but do not wait until then. The best thing that you can do right now is to get over to www.1000daysober.com and sign up to be a member of Strive today. Okay. It is £40 a month subscription. That includes uh, the 1000 Days Sober Experience. It includes uh, online workshop. It includes online meetings. It includes guidance from our ambassadors. It includes one-on-one meetings with our incredible Strive coaches who are uh, skilled at a vast array of of important elements of your life that are gonna drive up and increase your physical and mental health. And by joining now, you get used to the environment, you get used to the community, you get used to the people, and by the time July comes along, you'll be firing on all cylinders, kind of roaring to get into the 1,000 days sober experience. So do that today, really, really important. If you want to get the show notes for today, the show notes are exceptional, folks you get the show notes from today's episode, you want to get a full transcription of today's episode, and you want to get a special workbook um, that will give you some some fun and interesting questions based on today's episode that you can help that will um, one-up your life, right? Then get over to www.1000daysober.com. You will find the link there and sign up, give us your email address, and we will give you Uh, We will give you these things free of charge, okay? And on that £40 a month, if you do not have the money, if you are struggling financially, then email me at thetruthbyalcohol at gmail.com and we'll figure something out. Do not let money get in your way of becoming 1,000 days sober. And just because we go 1,000 days sober, right? don't be worried about that if you're not quite ready to quit yet. The first stage of the strive model for change is called STUCK. The second stage is called thought. And we do not expect you to stop drinking whilst you're doing that work. And that will take you a good four to five months. So you get a lot of grace. We will meet you where you're at in your addiction to alcohol. Don't worry about that, okay? We take on everybody. People who are desperately trying to stop drinking and people who have stopped drinking and they just want help putting their life back together, okay? Um, lastly, if you enjoyed listening to our Condition Podcast and please rate and review it on your local provider, whether that would be Apple or SoundCloud or whatever. Uh, Just give us a nice review and some nice stars. You can find us on Instagram at 1000daysober.com or 1000daysober. And you can find us on YouTube, 1000daysober as well. All right. Take care yourselves, folks. Ciao, ciao.